I'm Matt Castillo here with Chip Murphy and Danny Small. Welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. Uh, a loaded show here today as we do have some Nick news. Um, and, and, of course, we also wanted to take the time here, just the start of the playoffs, the bubble talk and all. We really haven't kind of recapped any of that. You know, it could be a chance to maybe look back on some of our season predictions and kind of laugh at ourselves. I know I will uh, when we get to that. And then, you know, let's talk about some of these overall playoff series you know, is there an upset here in the first round possibility? There was a there was a little bit of a, a interesting game one for the Ma- Magic. You know, Chip, your Orlando Magic took uh, the first game from the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Is that an upset brewing here, or is it just a fluke game? Uh, so we're going to spend some time with the NBA playoffs, the bubble talk in general. But before we get to that, we want to jump into some of the Nick news today. Um, the lottery, as Chip, you reminded me, I didn't realize the lottery kind of snuck up on us. The, the selections, we'll know where we're picking on Thursday. Uh, so we'll, you know, I know we know where we got the Clippers pick. We're the 27th for the the Clippers pick, but our pick we'll find out Thursday. Uh, so before we kind of go into all this other stuff, Chip, I want to bring it to you first to share some of the Nick news, of one of their hirings today. Uh, and we'll also transition into this about the lottery coming up on Thursday. Yeah, so it's uh, good news, I think. I think all Knicks fans are excited. I think we're just rounding up a bunch of Utah Jazz guys to try and talk Donovan Mitchell into coming to New York. <laughs> uh, we got Johnny Bryant, uh, Utah Jazz assistant, head coach, and now he's coming to New York to be Tom Thibodeau's, I guess, associate head coach, get a promotion, and it's another guy that Leon Rose has poached from a top front, uh, top organization that is a huge loss. So he's highly regarded as a, a player development guy, which is something that the Knicks have needed for a very long time. And uh, Chris Persianen for Knicks Sports Illustrated writes a lot about Johnny Bryant and his contributions here with uh, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell and uh gordon 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 hayward and yeah gordon hayward and i think paul millsap Mm -hmm. is but mitchell is the one that's really keyed on there's a piece in the athletic too that uh donovan mitchell really talks about with uh tony jones he really talks about how important johnny bryan is to his development so this is i'm not saying obviously this isn't a move for the knicks to land mitchell bryant's very qualified but this can only help them if they want to convince Mitchell to come to New York because now they have two guys who Mitchell really likes. And I don't know. It's look, it's a great hire. Obviously the other news that come out today, it, it looks like Mike Miller's not going to be back next year. He's looking for a coaching job elsewhere, which sucks, but look, it's, this is a, this is a great hire for the Knicks. Another good move by Leon Rose. Uh, and yeah, the Knicks just keep, scooping up guys from well-respected organizations right. so uh love the move 
you know, just to kind of piggyback off of it, Chip, um, I was actually thinking today that the first part of, you know, kind of the offseason of getting a new coaching staff, bringing people into the front office, I don't have any complaints. Like I, I said, it's the first time in quite some time that I can sit here and say, like, I understand everything that they're doing, everybody they're bringing in. Uh, it, it's it's refreshing. It's kind of nice to sit here and go, oh, man, I don't quite get this. Or, you know, a lot of the times it's, it's usually, okay, I guess it won't hurt, you know, type thing. We bring somebody in, like, I guess why not give them a shot? No, I think these hirings and everything that is being done is a reason behind it. Like, it's well thought out. It's not just, okay, this guy knows this person, so we're going to bring him in. You know, it's people that have had some success somewhere in other organizations that have been successful. So bringing in people like that and a collection of people like that, I think you finally are starting to put together. And they got to prove it now when you got to build the roster, things like that, you know, the scouting department uh, with the draft coming up and all that. But so far, you know, with the names that are being hired, I think there have been a lot of smart hirings here for the Knicks. And it's just – it's nice to see. I was just actually thinking about that today, um, just going like, wow, like I haven't really been frustrated with anything or scratched my head with it. Uh, but when you mentioned uh, Miller looking to go elsewhere, I'm still having some kind of hope that it kind of works out where we can bring him back onto the staff. I know a lot of the times it doesn't look like when you're a head coach of a team. I know he was an interim coach. But when you're that head guy and then all of a sudden somebody else gets brought in to do your job, you never typically say, okay, I'm just going to stay on that staff. Does not happen kind of often. So, I mean, I knew there was a chance that we would not keep him. I'm still holding on to hope, though, that, you know, he looks elsewhere, might not get anything, and the Knicks can bring him back. Because I, I know, Danny, you touch on this a lot. I think he's crucial to the development of Mitchell Robinson and, and some of our young players. I think he did a great job. Uh, as the interim coach, I would really, really love for the Knicks to find some kind of way to keep him within the organization and not let him go. Thought he did an outstanding job. Um, but overall, nothing has made me upset about any of the decisions they've made. I understand almost every hire why they're looking at somebody for a certain reason. And everybody seems to have different strengths. And I think that's really great to have a front office that everybody has different strengths because you can pick up on somebody else's weaknesses and all that. And when you have a complete team like that, just gives you a little bit of hope. There's still plenty of work to do. We're not out of the woods yet, obviously. But so far, I think the first part of this offseason had had no problems with. I don't know. That's just the way I feel about it. Danny, what, what are some of your thoughts on this hire? And, and, you know, overall, like I know you're a big Mike Miller guy. What do you think about him possibly not being back on the staff next year? Well, I mean – you know, you guys know I've been ringing that bell for Mike Miller for a while now. I, I think he's a good coach. I think he's done a good job with the Knicks. But, you know, I mean, if if he's not back with the Knicks, he'll land on his feet. He'll get a job somewhere. He'll be fine. Uh, I think he's a guy who could possibly become, you know, a head coach someday down the line. Uh, I mean, you know, he's not exactly the youngest guy in the world, but he's, you know, he's not he's not an, an old guy by any stretch, um, you know, when you talk about coaches. So I'd like to see them bring him back. But at the same time, you know, like I, I get, you know, I get what they're doing with all these moves. Like you touched on the front office a little bit, you know, they're doing a good job kind of building out, you know, a, a strong front office with a lot of different guys with different strengths. Um, and now we're seeing it happen on the coaching staff. I mean, you have Kenny Payne comes in who, you know, works with 
works with big men, really good with that stuff. Then you get, you know, uh, Johnny Bryant, like Chip kind of alluded to. Not that I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Johnny Bryant yet outside of, you know, kind of what Chip was talking about. The Mitchell connection, the Lillard, you know, those articles that have come out, um, you know, it's really the extent of it. Uh, so I can't, I'm not going to sit here and, and say it's the greatest move ever or it's a terrible move because, you know, it, it's, it's an assistant coach, an associate head coach, whatever you want to call it. Um, but with all that said, I think this is kind of even with just kind of piggyback off of Payne and Bryant together, the most cynical people out there, uh, you know, the writers who are constantly bashing the Knicks, they're going to say, oh, you know, like, I mean, we saw it with Payne. Knicks, another, another instance of the Knicks just star chasing. They're probably going to say the same thing about Bryant. Wow, Knicks are really just star chasing for Donovan Mitchell, which it's not the case. I mean, the way I look at it is Payne and Bryant are both excellent development guys. They're guys who have a track record of being really, really good assistant coaches in that regard. And they have connect, strong connections with star players. That's not a bad thing. Like, that shouldn't be something we should – we should be like, oh, wow, this is the same old Knicks. I mean, if they had hired Jason Kidd because they thought it would give him a chance at Giannis, that would have been an instance where you can right. say they are the same old Knicks. They're just, you know, they're just loading up and going all in on chasing stars. Like, you could have said it then. But when they're hiring Johnny Bryant, a guy who basically, like, I don't know, like if you saw basically like all the, the reporters from the Jazz today on Twitter – Say, like when they saw he got, you know, uh, he got hired by the Knicks, basically every single one of them to a man was saying, big loss. You know, this is, this is tough. He's great. You know, he's awesome. And they were also saying, it's a good thing he's going to be around, you know, for the duration of the bubble because he's, I guess he's, he's going to stick it out with the Jazz for as long as, you know, their run is. Uh, I don't see him going past the Nuggets, but we'll get to all that stuff later. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think – you know, anyone killing these moves right now is just doing it just performatively, trying to, you know, LOL Knicks and, you know, trying to, you know, just ride that ride that wave of, you know, clowning on the Knicks. And, you know, at the same time, anyone who's like, this is the greatest hire, this the front office, you know, the coaching staff, it's the most incredible thing. Like, at the same time, that's a little disingenuous too because we don't know if it will work. I mean – I'm sitting here and I'm going to say cautious optimism because there's a lot these guys have good track records up and down. So you talk about coaching off, coaching staff or front office. All the guys have good track records. It seems like Leon Rose is putting together a very comprehensive squad to kind of like lift up the organization. But at the same time, we've seen the Knicks do similar things to, to this in the past, you know, hire people that everyone's been high on and then it goes south quickly. So cautious optimism and i've said that you know probably ad nauseum these last few months but that's that's the way you should look at it no one should be you know writing them off just because it's the knicks but at the same time no one should be you know this is finally the the tide is turning just because you know it's a good front office and a good coaching staff right and i i think that's the thing even when i'm saying you know when i look at the hirings and things are done it's meaning that, like, I don't think they did anything outrageous or something like that, like mm-hmm. hiring a Jason Kidd. So that's, you know, my my. Usually, I'm not very optimistic. Everybody would say I'm pessimistic as a Nick fan here, but you know, my optimism is is more about um, they didn't do anything stupid. You know, not that the work is done. There's still plenty of work, but they they haven't done anything dumb or something that just didn't make any sense. And then kind of what you're saying, Danny, I think, 
you know, people that are just going to bash the Knicks because that's an easy thing to do. You know, that that's, you don't got nothing else to talk about. I mean, gosh, we're in quarantine mode. I mean, there's not a whole lot of sport topics and all that. So what did you, what did you see out there? It was a uh, Nick bashing, any chance I can get, even something, something small, because it's easy. It's, it's something that, you know, is very typical to do. So you're, you're always going to hear that. You're always going to have somebody that's not pleased or, or thinking something, you know, or looking for a story that's not there. So you, you basically got to just simply kind of brush that off. Uh, but with the news of, you know, more of the administration or, or coaching staff and front office, uh, we had the lottery coming up this Thursday. Uh, so once and for all, we'll kind of know where we're going to pick. See, that's when I like to start getting into the draft. Once I kind of know what, where we are in the draft, um, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, love to see, you know, draft coverage and like to hear a lot about like mock drafts and stuff like that. And I, I like to do that some before the draft. It's just very hard because you just don't know where you're going to be. So it, it's kind of this is what the, the week that I look forward to the most of knowing, OK, we're here. So that can kind of give us more of a pinpoint range of some of the realistic targets that the Knicks can possibly get in the draft. So this is something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Danny, I'll kind of start with you on the lottery. Uh, what are we projected like sixth, seventh in, yeah. in the lottery? Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at Tankathon right now and their average projection is five point five. They're okay. in the sixth slot. They can't they can't draft five. I'll actually I'll just read down the, the odds with um you know uh, odds straight down. So nine percent chance at one, nine point two at two. 9.4 at 3, 9.6 at 4. They can't get 5. Then it's 8.6 to stay at number 6. It's 29.8 to go to 7, 20.6 to drop to 8, 3.7 to drop to 9, and 0.1 to drop to 10. So I guess there's two ways to look at this. You can either look at this pessimistically and say there's you know essentially a coin flip chance that they drop to 7 or 8, or you can yep. optimistically and say there's a 37% chance that they jump into the top four. So, I mean, there's a lot of variation with these new, the new lottery rules and all that stuff, but I guess I'll, I'll kind of use that same analogy. The old way, if they're number six, there's a, like, there's a very, very tiny chance they move into the top three with that. I don't remember the odds necessarily, but I, I wouldn't have felt very confident that they'd move up in that scenario more like that they just stand pat at six so with these new lottery odds i mean i forget what the pelicans were and the grizzlies were last year but both of them jumped up you know from i think they were probably like eight and nine or something like that so with these new lottery odds anything can happen i mean knowing the knicks luck and all that they're gonna drop to 10 and you know they're gonna get stuck taking somebody nobody wants you know mm -hmm. or somebody nobody the fan the fans don't want but um, I mean, it is what it is. Like there's, there's nothing you can do about the lottery odds at this point. I mean, if they really wanted to go, uh, tank it away, they could have just kept Fisdale and, and, uh, and not, not fired him and, and put Mike Miller in, but Hey, this is where they are at number six. And, uh, we'll see what happens. This is the week where, uh, Nick fans usually give, uh, the, you guys are way too pessimistic view point towards especially me and chip 
Uh, they can't, they can't do that because I just gave both. <laughs> I just gave I just gave both sides right there. I I I just I just gave the the glass half full and the glass half empty. So uh, there's no no complaining about us being pessimistic. I think they're going to complain because I'm pessimistic until it happens until by some freaking miracle that we somehow get a better pick than what we're freaking projected. I'm always going backwards. I could see us being around eight or nine. I could just see it. I, and I, I, I don't, I can't until something proves me wrong. I'm in the boat of watch us be like the seventh, eighth, ninth pick possibly. I don't see the 10th pick. I, I don't, I'm not that pessimistic. 0.1. That's like, yeah. if that happens, no. the Knicks are cursed. We know. Yeah. Let's not even talk about the 10th pick. Yeah. That's just, Can we'll, we not talk about the 10th pick. I think at worst, I could see us get an eighth pick at worst. That's kind of what I feel is our, our luck here. Um, so yes, I, I'm sure somebody's going to say, Oh man, I don't want to listen to this. It's pessimistic. But I mean, when have we, I mean, last year we had the worst record. We got the third pick. I mean, yeah, to get the Pelicans, what? The Pelicans were like the fourth, fifth, sixth, right around there, and they ended up with the number one pick. That just doesn't seem to happen for the Knicks. Like I said, I don't think nine or ten. I don't think we fall that far back, but I would not be shocked to see us picking in the eighth spot. Just, just you want you want the real, the real pessimistic view. Give it to us. Not, not that I actually believe this or like I'm wishing it or whatever, but the real pessimistic view is the Knicks jump up to number one. They use all their lottery luck this year in a year where the lottery is not that great. Right. And then whoever they take ends up being a bust. That's the real pessimistic view. But I'm, I'm, you, you guys know me. I'm just kind of like, wait and see, wait and see what happens. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too worked up one way or the other. Could I wasn't you? even thinking that I was just thinking they were going to like drop to seven or eight. I wasn't even going that far. Well, I think, I think actually uh, Alex Wolf, I, I saw him on Twitter say something. It might, he might, might have been the same exact thing or something similar, but I saw him tweet something like that. Like the Knicks, they, they finally get lucky, jump up to number one, and then, you know, LaMelo Ball turns out to be like a complete dud. Like something like that happening. But I don't know. I'm not trying to speak that into existence or anything, but I'm just I'm, t- I'm considering all possibilities at this point. That would be very Knicksy. That would be. That, that really That's, would be. We're a yeah. year too late. Yeah, like, I, I, I can see something like that going down. But, you know, I, I guess, though, the way to look at it, if that did happen, at least, you know, we, we improved our draft stock through the lottery for once. Um, so, I, I know that's the, the dreaded, oh, gosh, here we go. They're going to start saying. But it just happens too much. This is what kind of happens to us. So, I'm hope, it's not me hoping this happens. You know, it's just the way I feel. You know, we might end up with, like, the sticks pick or whatever. I'm just hoping to be inside the top five for this one. I'd be pretty happy about that. Um, With that being said, though, we'll have to wait to Thursday to see our fate, see where we're at. And now we want to move it to uh, some of the bubble talk. Uh, We we haven't had an opportunity to kind of do this and and talk about the bubble and, and the playoff series that are going on right now. You know, just a few notes, a few thoughts that I have thought about here. But before we go into that, I kind of find it funny that, you know, you look at the bubble itself, right? They've been in the bubble for, what, over a month now? And there has been zero positive cases, right? And I just think about, like, a couple of months before this whole bubble even happened, you had these players like, oh, I don't know if the league is going to – keep us safe. I don't know, you know, if it's a good idea to go. 
and they come up with all these rules, all these restrictions that has kept them safe. And then, like, right from the start of the bubble, all the players were complaining about their lifestyle in the bubble. The food sucks. J.R. Smith said it's like a Motel 6 or something like that. Got in trouble the first day in the bubble. Um, you know, you got Lou Williams going to uh, – They were targeting him. Club. Yeah. They were know, targeting yeah. him yeah, for I, sure. I'm telling you. Like, it, that's J.R., though. You knew he was going to get in trouble at some point. But I just find it funny. It was all these complaints, but then yet they were complaining about being safe. And the NBA actually has done it. So I just want to applaud the NBA for the job they've done. Um, I, and the bubbles worked great. And there has been no issues where we feel like this was going to get started and shut down. So just off the bat, that's just what I've been thinking. They did a tremendous job. They deserve a lot of credit for the job they have done. Um, but coming into the bubble – kind of enjoyed the games you know there were some good games of course it's like the last end of the regular season so you you had some duds in there the first know, half like of those seeding games were right. phenomenal and then right. it kind of like petered yeah, then play, players Which, started resting it's okay that's fine right. it's, yeah i mean it, playoffs are here now like that's 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 fine like, i don't think anyone is too you know gonna get too upset about that I, as long as we get good playoff series and we don't have refs taking over games and becoming the stars of games like they did last night but you know oh, that's, yeah that's a different that's a different story entirely yeah. an, an enemy of the show i guess you could call him even though even Porzingis has to be him. smarter yeah. he does he does he does. does have to he does have to be smarter but those were both soft tees both yeah, of them I were soft. With yeah. the, I, the first you know, one was a give back because they gave Paul George a, a soft tee. It's like, obviously, yeah, Porzingis does have to be smarter. but And he yeah, said yeah. that himself. Yeah, no, well, I mean, he, he did. But, himself. But anyone, any, like, anyone not wearing a striped shirt thinks that Porzingis shouldn't – like, he, he, there was no way he should be ejected from that game. It was, yeah, I agree. It was ridiculous. And I agree. that game was like – it ended up being a decent game down the stretch or whatever, but that game was like kind of like setting up for like instant classic type, you know. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest NBA game ever, but it was setting up for like a nice battle down the stretch. You got championship contending Clippers, and then you got young up-and-coming, you know, squad with two of the brightest young stars in the league, and then the refs take it over. And, I mean, that, I mean that's not even – that's not even a gripe I have with like just that game. That's just like in the playoffs. I hate seeing refs kind of right, take over. put themselves into it. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's a rule. You can't throw your arms or something. But yeah, they you can't. You can't that. like. Yeah, you can't. You you gotta modify that. I and mean, especially no fans. These refs, they all have rabbit ears. Like how many? We've seen a bunch of texts so far where it's just like you don't even know what happened. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the ref heard. You know, the ref heard Justin Anderson say like, you know say some trash talk to someone and he gave him a T and it's like, okay, that, right. was, that was needed. Yeah. Good, good T on that one. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all for my rant on the reps. We can move on to uh, more exciting topics like Donovan Mitchell. Right. Uh, and before we get into all that and some of these playoff series, I mean, the one thing that kind of has stood out to me was this is actually something I, again, I was thinking uh, right from the start of the bubble play is seeing Michael Porter jr. Uh, mm -hmm. getting more minutes for Denver and I'm watching him play and I'm, you know, he, he was great in the bubble, played very well. And I started thinking, I was like, man, I know a few years ago, I was that guy that was saying the Knicks need to take a chance on Michael Porter Jr. Chip, I remember talking to you about this and you would go, ah, the back is just too risky. I, I wouldn't do it either. And when you see him having success, the first thought was, 
man, we probably should have taken that risk. Like, I think the risk would have paid off that you're seeing it pay off. But then I, I really did. I just started thinking about it. I had a long drive one day and I, uh, the other day, and I was really thinking about this. So it was kind of funny we decided to talk about the bubble uh, today. But uh, it, it was like, you know, the more I thought about it, if the Knicks would have taken that risk, right, and grabbed Michael Porter Jr., I don't think this success ever would have happened. I think just the way it would have gone, in my opinion, you guys might disagree with me on this or not, but I just think like Michael Porter Jr., if he would have been taken by the Knicks with the back injury and not playing, number one, we all seen how RJ played the first summer league game and people were calling him a bust mm -hmm. off of one summer league game. I mean, like, hello. So I was thinking fans, no patience. This guy is missing time with his back. The fans would have been so livid this guy's not out there and playing. I just feel like the organization would have rushed him back before he was ready, and it would have been a disaster. And I think he would have fizzled out in New York. The more I think about it, I was like, you know, I still think the right thing was not to draft him. Because in Denver, he was in a, he's in a perfect situation. They're a loaded, deep team where they didn't need Michael Porter Jr., to come along like that. They were able to kind of take some time with them. I mean, you know, he missed his whole first year, you know, got his feet wet last year and stuff like that and started playing a little bit more this season. Even before the shutdown happened, he was getting some minutes and playing pretty well uh, in, in spurts and all that. But from the bubble, really elevated his game. And I just think that's because it's a totally different situation. Sometimes that's the best thing for players being in the right situation right being in the right organization like somebody like him is going to go as like oh my god he's a lottery pick that was taken at 14 or 15 whatever did he fall out of the lottery or was he a lottery pick i can't remember no, 14, exactly yeah, so he was 14 he was, so he was, he was the last pick okay yeah, yeah. okay so he was in the lottery that's what i thought he was the 14th pick and then i was like wait a minute was he 15th but anyway you know they got a guy that probably is a is a top three top five talent of a draft at 14 but because their roster has so much depth, it allowed for them to not have to rush him back. And therefore, I think, you know, he's, he's having more success right now than he would in a Nick uniform. That's just some of my thoughts that I'm thinking and, and related to the Knicks is I don't think he would have worked out in New York. I think just, it would have fizzled out. Yeah, just, just to piggyback off your point, because I do agree with you that, you know, I don't, I don't know if it would have worked out with the Knicks because they wouldn't have been able to be as patient with him. But right. the other thing is, like, the fact that Denver was the perfect place for him and he was the perfect guy for Denver because Denver's a team that needed a third star. Like, to be a championship, con like, contender, legit championship contender, they needed a third star to kind of pair with Jokic and Jamal Murray or else, you know, I, I don't think those two are, are going to elevate anybody to a championship. But if you have Michael Porter Jr. turns out to be a star, then it's a different story. And the Nuggets are so good just because they have those two guys. They have the depth. They're not going to be in a position to be drafting, you know, at the top of the draft every year. They needed to take a chance on a guy like that who, you know, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, nobody is happier for Michael Porter for getting healthy and looking great and, you know, looking like he's going to have a great career. No one's happier for him more than I am. You know, I, I hate seeing guys get injured and, like, lose their careers because of that. But, you know, I mean, we have to – we have to like address the fact that there was a very legitimate chance that he just would never have done anything in the NBA. Exactly. He had a right. broken, he had a broken back when he came in. 
mean, but the thing is, he just he had so much talent, and Denver realized, you know, like, hey, we're not going to be in a position to draft somebody of this caliber in a you know in a very long time. And they took the chance, and it's working out. You can't. I mean, if you want to talk about you know Knox is a bust, blah blah blah, like it's a different story for a different day. I think if you're going to play that game, you should look at Shea Gilgis Alexander more than Michael Porter Jr. But at this, yeah, I don't think you can really hammer the. I mean, how many times have you seen on Twitter, like in the last like couple weeks, the Knicks passed on Michael Porter Jr. And it's like that's just again, that's like a disingenuous like Knicks hater take. Mikael Bridges is the biggest miss because they had him in for multiple workouts mm, and saw good how point. good a defender yeah. he was, and they still passed on him. Mm-hmm. He's the biggest miss, and he was he was that's very cl- he's very closely linked to the Knicks there, you know, for yeah. a while. So yeah, that's right. a, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, he's the worst he one, the guy. but obviously SGA is. Yeah, no, I thought he was the guy too, Matt. Right. I, I thought they were going to take him, and I think people were bringing out like the reporting about it and I think Ian Begley even said back then that the Knicks were probably going to take him like it was strongly reported that he was going to be the guy yeah and I guess they changed their mind at the end but another reason I I agree with you guys that Porter was never going to work here uh now things have changed obviously recently but in the fortunately brief Steve Mills David Fisdale era player development was clearly not a priority and that's what Michael Porter needed. He needed a lot of help. And in Denver, he got that because developing young talent was a priority. That was not a priority with Fisdale. It was made clear like he didn't have a big player development staff. Those guys weren't there. They didn't prioritize it. Scott Perry didn't prioritize it. Steve Mills didn't prioritize it. So in New York, I don't think he would have had a very easy time. And like you guys said, he would have he would have been been looked at as more of a savior in New York whereas in Denver mm-hmm. it was looked at as okay if this guy hits that'd be great but if he doesn't we still got Joker and we got Jamal Murray so okay we'll move on and we'll try and find another guy yeah you know, I just I think it, like it, he just he really was the perfect piece for Denver obviously there's a few other teams out there that he probably would have had the same kind of situation where he can he can you know get healthy and then develop and you know I remember just during the season like when the Nuggets were at the Knicks people you know reporters just asking Mike Malone and you could tell he's been asked a million times like why isn't Michael Porter Jr. playing more and he was basically like hey we got guys that are better than him right now and also we need him to kind of come along slowly for him to get to the point where he needs to be for us and now it's looking like that gamble that they made is going to pay off because I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to be the superstar that everyone thought he was pre-back injury or anything like that. But at the same time, if he's a like two A, two B with Jamal Murray, and then you have Jokic, who's you know, are he's a top ten player, you know, at his peak, you know, probably arguably top five. I mean, he was he was top five in MVP voting two years ago. So like you have Joker, and then you have those two guys who are like second, third stars, you know, two A, two B then, you know, then the Nuggets become a real problem in the, in the Western Conference. Murray definitely played like one in that Utah yeah. game. Well, I mean, him, you know, he basically not, you know, Mitchell was phenomenal from start to finish, but Murray, you know, at the end of the game, Murray, oh, he, yeah. he, he went shot for shot with him. And then in overtime, he, you know, he, he took over and, and Mitchell just didn't, you know, didn't have enough, uh, 
firepower, I guess, with him and, you know, the rest of the Jazz. They, yeah. they couldn't keep up. Um, but I guess, you know, just to kind of transition into Mitchell a little bit, he was just that – I mean, third most points in a playoff game in history. I, I know – Part of it is the bubble is just so conducive to shooting and, like, the no backdrop. So teams are putting up a lot of points. And I know it's a different era than, like, when MJ did it or uh, I think the other one was Elgin Baylor. Definitely different eras. So, you know, I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, it's not – yeah, maybe take it with a grain of salt. But still, 57 points is 57 points. I mean, Mitchell was an absolute stud. And I don't know – I don't know – how they they win this series if Mitchell's scoring 57 points and they're losing. Yeah, I just think it's because that right now, you know, the Conley being out, you know, with, with the birth of his child certainly doesn't help. You know, but uh, Bogdanovich is not playing in that series as well. So they're a little, you know, missing a few of their kind of role players. And, and um, you know, I just think – you score 57 points in a game. I mean, it is, it's kind of like, how do you lose? Like, and for a little bit there, you know, he was just so hot that Denver didn't really have an answer. But then we seen like Murray get going as well and kind of match him a little bit down the stretch of that game as they kind of went back and forth, uh, which was really fun to watch. That was a great way to kind of kick off the playoffs and to watch a game like that, going to overtime, going back and forth, uh, you know, just a lot of, it was just real good basketball that was played in that first game. And I thought it was a great way. And I kind of look at this playoff and I know a lot of people out there, you know, I was listening to Dan Patrick earlier today and he kind of said it, but it was definitely the vibe that I was feeling too. Like with the playoffs being in the bubble, it kind of feels a little bit like March Madness. You know, you get the, like the midday game, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not as many games that are going on, but you have four straight, you know, games throughout the day, a quadruple header. It was just really cool. Like, you know, I knew there was going to be a blowout at some point. You know, the Brooklyn game uh, wasn't very close uh, with the Raptors, uh, even though they did cut it to 10 at but one it, yeah, point. It, 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 it always felt like the Raptors were going to pull away at some point right. even when they were on that run. But, yeah, every other – Blazers-Grizzlies felt like a college game, March Madness yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A winner-go-home type thing. And, like, yeah. yeah, not even so much as a game seven. It felt more like, uh, you know – a winner gets to go to the final four type, you know, type game. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, uh, I, I just think it's pretty unique. Like I know this is obviously, you know, never going to happen again. You know, you get your home room, but I kind of like it. I kind of like the bubble mm-hmm. atmosphere. I kind of enjoy watching the games and it, it feels, you know, like the regular season part of it did feel like an AAU tournament, but this feels a little March madness like, and it, it's just pretty cool. Uh, to see. So, so far, I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to see if I don't get his name wrong here because I shouldn't. And if I do, you guys correct me. Uh, Luca Dantage. Is that better? Yeah, I think that was okay. That was about, yeah, I think you were, you were pretty much on there. I, he deserves for me to get his name right because I'm going to say this on this is, this is, this is real. Everybody knows that knows me, knows that LeBron is my favorite player and all that. But LeBron's not going to be around forever. And when LeBron retires, Luca's taken over as my favorite player because that's a bad man. <laughs> that is a bad freaking man. And that's I already fair. knew that. But, yeah. like, when you get the focus a little bit more on these teams that, that, you know, I don't watch every Dallas game because I'm watching the Knicks, you know, over them. So, when I can sit back and watch Luca play every single game, it's just like I, I, wish, I wish he was in a Knicks uniform. I, if I could have any player, it would be him. 
Like, I'm dead serious. Uh, you can name me any player in the league right now. I want Luca. I just, I just want Luca. Like that kid is just unbelievable. My buddy, so many, uh, you know, before he was drafted. And Chip, I know you were, you, you mentioned Luca. I remember going back into that uh, draft prospect and way before we even knew where the Knicks were going to be or anything like that. He was a name that you were mentioning. But my buddy was always like, you know, this kid's going to be an MVP in this league. He's going to be – and I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I don't get all into international. You know, from the first game that he stepped on, you can see this dude was special. But you're watching what he's doing right now. I mean, that's some of those triple doubles he had a few weeks ago, 35 points, 20 rebounds, 13. Those are like putting NBA 2K on, putting it on rookie, creating a player that's 99 overall. That's what you average then. That, that was real life. That was a real game that that man averaged that. That's a bad man. I'd take him over any player in the league right now. Get me some Luka. You want, you want to take? I think at some point in the future, we're going to – the debate is going to be about who's, who's the greatest of all time, LeBron, MJ, and Luka. I think, I think he's going to be that good. He could be. He's like, he really he's could like be. 21, and he's maybe he's or I, th- I think he is a top five player in the league at 20 oh absolutely and i think he's gonna only get better like i heard uh i think it was doc rivers but they the you know i think it was mike breen that mentioned this that said that doc rivers said he's like jason kidd with his vision and his passing but like larry bird like you can't get much better kind of players like that like into one right because larry bird was a bad man himself you know what i mean and Luca is, I'm telling you, like even he had like ten turnovers in the last game. I didn't care, I didn't care. I just I was just impressed with everything else that he was doing. Um, I know this kind of sounds like I didn't know Luca was any good or anything like that because I never talked like this about him before. I knew he was really good, and I knew he was like an up and coming player. But again, just having more time to watch him. There's no doubt in my mind that he's 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 this future of this league. Like he's going to be the face of the league. He's going to be the best player in the NBA. I would take him over any other player. And there, this league is filled with great players. There is nobody else on my roster. If you said you can pick any player right now to start your team with, Luca is my number one guy. I would take him. I, mean, I think over Giannis and AD. I yes, would agree. Right. I would agree with that. I take yes. Luca over over both. Yes. Of them. If if you're talking like if you're talking about one season or one game i'd i'd probably i'd probably maybe go like lebron or, or lebron or well I actually i'd definitely go lebron Kawhi, yeah, probably honest like one yeah, game yeah. one but, season but like that but if you're franchise? saying if you're saying yes you want to start a franchise with one player i think yep. luca's my pick easy and i love Giannis, but i'm taking luca like like that's a good point chip Giannis is a, is a hard person to to ignore there but I'll take Luca and Anthony Davis too. It's a hard oh, one to I take. I I take him over Anthony <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because Anthony Davis, you look at him, he's injured. I mean, you know, I, I he's don't been know he's, he's been pretty healthy. Playoffs. He's been pretty healthy recently. Pretty I'd healthy say. this year. But I think I think having the uh, I, I, as much I I think Davis is an incredible player. But you think you want to have the ball handler more than the big man in today's game? I just. I think a kid's a stud. That's been my take from the bubble. And then and then we were mentioning before the break, I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but just some of the thoughts that came to me, Van Fleet for, is another mm-hmm. one that I'm just thinking, like I thought last year's playoff run with them, and I know he had some bad stretches the other day. We were talking about this before we started recording. 
Uh, he had some bad stretches in the playoffs, but he played really well. And I was like, I, I think it's a little bit of a fluke. He showed me this year, like, he's another one that I really like watching the play. Like, he's he's for real. And that's where I kind of, you know, look back for my season projections. I had Toronto, like, seventh or eighth. Like, I had them as a playoff team. Chip, you were like, you're disrespecting them, Matt. And I was like, no, man, they, they, they lose Kawhi. No, you know, like, Kyle Lowry's a beast. Like, I, I knew that. But nobody else really is going to do anything. And then Van Fleet's playing well. Siakam is developing. I still think he has some ways to go with that. But he's a really nice player. Uh, but, you know, Van Fleet's a, a, a damn good guard in this league. And uh, he's somebody that's impressed me as well. Because, again, I know these guys are good. But when I watch basketball a lot, I, I spend a lot of time with the Knicks. You know, I don't I don't bounce around and watch full games. I watch a little bit here and there. Of course, if it's a big game on, like, Saturday night or something like that or the Thursday night games, you know, you watch. Uh, but they mix those around a lot. So, with this bubble, it's been kind of unique because you can watch every game. You can watch every team. And there's several players like a Van Fleet um, that I've enjoyed watching and, and kind of go, you know, this guy's pretty damn good. So that's I disrespected the Raptors here. I still don't think they're going to win a championship this year. I still don't even think they're – they might not even make it to the conference finals, even though that could change because I had Boston actually beating them. But, you know, Gordon Hayward's going to miss some time now with an ankle injury and stuff like that. Um, so they very much well could be – and even if Hayward was playing, they still could beat the Celtics. But I would have the Celtics passing them. That's just in my bracket. Um I don't think they're a finals team, but they're a damn good team. And I have to admit that I was totally wrong and give them a lot of credit because they, they were quite impressive this season. Just looking at my, uh, my preseason predictions, I had them at seven, to, uh, seven um, just like you, Matt. So mm-hmm. I, I was a little off on them too. I was actually I was 15 of 16 on my, my picks, not in terms of exact seeds, but I got them all right. Not that that's anything too crazy. I think it, it went fairly uh, – fairly close to what a lot of people had. Uh, but yeah, the Raptors are a lot better than I thought. I, I give them a little more credit now than you do. I think, Matt, I think they're a bona fide championship contender. Wow. Okay. I think the, the thing, and I know you're a little lower on Siakam than I am, but I think the thing that's going to be tough for them is who do you get a bucket from late in the game? I mean, Van Vliet is a good player. Siakam is a good player, but are they Kawhi? where, you know, some of those moments last year when they needed someone to take over in the last five minutes of the game, you knew Kawhi was going to was gonna have no problem doing that. I don't know if they have that same exact uh, – you know, I don't know if they can, they can kind of overcome some of those tough moments with Van Vliet and, uh, and Siakam and then I guess to a lesser extent Lowry. Right. Yeah, I found my preseason – predictions so i i'm looking on my notes app right now so i found i had i had the Ra- the raptors third so i did have the you weren't off yeah i didn't do right like wins pre- yeah yeah but i also i was off on a lot i had the the heat finishing eighth so okay. I, I was very low on the heat yeah but they yeah. were even quite had, they were more impressive i think i had them around five or six I had I, um, I had the Nuggets first in the West. I had that too. <laughs> I had the Warriors four. Yeah. Eesh. I had the I th- Warriors six. I th- yeah. I thought <laughs> I thought Curry was gonna you know have like a re- yeah, Redux MVP fine. type season you know 
Um, but obviously, I think even before he was hurt, it looked like they weren't going to be as good as I thought they were. But obviously, his injury, you know, changed everything. Who did you – do you have an MVP down there? Uh, I do. Let's see. I'm, mine, I need, I mine, right. mine was Giannis. <laughs> MVP, Steph Curry. So, yeah. <laughs> I put Jokic. So I, I, I just went all in. I put, I put Nuggets at one, Jokic MVP, and Mike Malone as coach. I had, I had Malone as coach. I had uh, John Morant, Rookie of the Year, Bam Adebayo, Most Improved, and Spencer Dinwiddie, Sixth Man, which – uh, rookie of the year, I got I got MIP. Maybe I don't know. Ingram might get that, but I think Bam has a shot at least. Um, but yeah, it's, and Dinwiddie didn't even, he wasn't even the sixth man because they had so many injuries. But uh, but yeah, MVP Steph Curry didn't Jesus. work out. I put Kuzma as sixth man. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Uh, I, can, I, can I can see that. I can see that. At, at the beginning of the year, that's not a bad pick. Yeah, that's, that's not, not a bad pick. No, I don't he know. Has to be, he has to be big for them in the playoffs for them to win. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Kuzma is their X factor. There's no doubt about it. So that's not a bad pick. Yeah, but I just don't know why I was thinking about picking it. I get where it came from. But I oh, picked okay. Jonathan Isaac gotcha. as most improved player. That's not – I mean, but, yeah. that's not a bad pick either because he. I think he did improve a lot. But I think the injury yeah. hurt him. And then, um, you know, just the fact that, like, Ingram and Bam made, like, such big jumps. Right. Uh, kind of overshadowed a few people. Yeah. Nah. Just shit. The preseason prediction thing, that's – That's always – it's always tough. It's always rough to look back on it and you go, what the hell was that? There's already, like for baseball, for the 60-game season, and looking back at my predictions, I'm thinking, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, like there's, I have the Mets as like a wild card team. They suck. They're so bad. Like, I thought they would be a little bit more competitive. Yeah, like, but uh, not to get too far off on a tangent, but there's still a lot of time left in the season. And, there is. You know, all it takes is like a good two-week stretch for any team now to like kind of climb back into it outside of maybe, you know, the Red Sox who are terrible, but, but yeah, the, the Mets, at least their lineup isn't, isn't so bad where they can't have like a nice run there. Exactly. So, I mean, it's the bullpen that kind of scares me with them, but I I, I mean, I thought they would be a little bit more competitive. I know that's kind of changing Mm -hmm. gears here, but I think we're coming up to our, our, our segment here of the last call to kind of wrap this up uh, on anything that we talked about today. Lottery, uh, Nick's moves in the front office, coaching staff stuff, uh, uh, and, of course, the playoff bubbles. Does anybody have anything else that we might have missed that you wanted to uh, just make known out there? Now is your chance. So, anybody that's got anything? Danny, you got anything? Uh, I just have OKC Moneyline, and they're down 14. So, hopefully, uh, by the time people are listening to this, OKC will have made a big <laughs> comeback and, uh, and keep me three for three on the day. Do you really have OKC money line? Yeah. yeah, they were. I, like, ro- they were like my minus- last call is I have Rockets money line. So oh shit, Chip and I are <laughs> going against because I yeah I had heat. You had you had Pacers, so we're yeah. uh, we're at odds today. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Something the Westbrook being out was kind of like weighing on me when I was trying to decide that. I think they hit. They must hit a million threes to start this. So, because Harden's playing like shit, 
Yeah, Harden's playing like crap. Is he? Uh, yeah, and he got yeah. hurt too. I, okay. I think yeah. he's out I'm, there, but I have it on my I had it on my iPad during the thing, but I've only been like half paying attention. I have it. Yeah, I have it on my phone. It's I look at like, it and see the score. Just so I can keep an eye on the score. Right. And then I'm trying but, to watch the Yankee game as well, which they're making me mad because the Rays just own us. By the way, yeah. the Rays are the team to beat. I'm telling you, as 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 much as I wanted to be my Yankees, it's the Rays. Mm. I'm telling you. Nah. Uh, but that's for a different podcast, different yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead. Let's wrap this up. Uh, next time we'll be back. We'll definitely be talking about where the Knicks are in the lottery and perhaps give uh, some of our realistic targets because. Again, I like talking draft. I know a lot of people love it as soon as the season ends because that's the next thing to kind of look to. I just always say, you know, I'll, too much of it before you even know where the heck you're you're drafting always is kind of like, you know, I feel like you're just saying, oh, hopefully we can get this guy, this guy type thing. You know, you can kind of pick around where you'll be. We'll actually know uh, when we're back next week. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.